2016, uh, one time during a prayer meeting, I saw uh, a vision. And in this vision, we, there were what we had as gas banners. You know the gas banner? Or the Bunsen banner, for those of you who've just come out of high school. You know that thing? And there were several of them, but some of them had fire, big fire, others had small fires. And with time, they merged together to make what you have now as the gas burner on the cooker. You know, it has little holes. It's like a combination of many little burners. And at that time, the ones that don't have, the ones that had little got more because they were together. And the ones that were dying out were reignited because they were next to the ones that had. At that time, I shared with the leaders of the church and we knew it had something to do with the ministry. The, dif the, the different banners represented the different ministries in this church. And in these ministries, some ministries have fire, some ministries have little fire. Some ministries have completely died out. But by the time that vision ended, all of them had fire and they had a lot of fire. That was the first one. In 2017, again, during Akesha like this, my eyes were open to this same sanctuary, but this time there were tables. We were serving tables. It was a banquet. And there were many tables. And the people who were serving, like waiters and waitresses and moving around and picking up plates, putting down glasses and changing, were members of this congregation. Each and every one of them busy. Most of them were young people. Some familiar faces. Some I can already see here in our midst. I still shared the same vision. But one thing that stood out about the two visions is that all of them ended with one word. In service to the king. In service to the king. That we would be united in service to the king. This afternoon, the Lord reminded me of those two visions. As I prepared for a message today, for those of you who received, uh, who received an SMS or reminding you that we are having Kesha today, we said our topic was true service. One of the things that happens in service, when you're serving people, you're not treated well sometimes. For those who have done waitressing jobs, some customers are nice. Some customers are horrible. You've seen those little clips where a waitress puts mate in the food because of how she's been treated. Another one inserts a fat cockroach or two because of how they've been treated. But today I'd like to draw attention to every single one of us. Service is not limited to the people we see. Service is all of us. A wife to a husband, a child to a parent, a parent to a child, a pastor to the congregation, ushers to the congregation, ministers in this house, ministers out there. There are things that you do and you are either treated well or either re received well or not received well. But what happens when this is done? Turn with me to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 6. 
I hope you have your Bibles. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 6. It says, this, this particular portion of scripture is a prophecy about the life of Jesus. It's a prophecy about a season that was coming when people would not want to be associated with the work of God. And it says, and one will say to him, what are these wounds between your arms? Then he will answer, those with, with which I was wounded are in the house of my close friends. I'd like to read it from my version. It says, I was struck in the house of my close friends. I was wounded in the house of my friends. I was not wounded outside the house. I was wounded in the house of my friends. The Lord Jesus at this point, is, it's being prophesied that the very people who will crucify him were Jews. The very people who will shun him, he cries out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to have you to me. But he has been rejected. So the wounds that he carries at this point are not wounds that have been done by strangers. They are wounds that have been done by his closest friends. There was a reason why we had Judas Iscariot at the table. Judas was not Judas's purpose was not just to betray Jesus. It carried a symbol that there can be pain that is right at your table. And it's even worse when you know that it's coming. It's even worse when you dine with him, when you share from the same bowl, when you serve him, when you wash his feet. But you know a few hours from now, he is calling the man with the sword. It is even worse when the ones that are around your table, you know that when the cock crows three times, you will deny me. No, I will never deny you. We make vows to each other at the altar. In sickness and in health, I will stand with you. In, in good and bad, you are my best friend. Have you seen two little girls as best friends? They literally walk together. They skip, you know. It's like they'll never be apart. But a season comes when the injury you carry is from someone right next to you. Someone right in your bed. The Bible is not... Naive. That kind of pain is not a mystery to God. It is right at the heart of what is in this Bible. And tonight the Lord is calling for that particular kind of sickness. That is the healing that's available for you tonight. Many times we cover it up. Many times we find a way to cope. But it's in there. And a man who used to walk up straight with his shoulders high is suddenly stooping. A man who used to be confident about something is suddenly stooping. Slowly by slowly is burdened by a pain. And that pain is not... It seems like an injustice. It seems like, Lord, why? Why did these people do this to me? Proverbs 27 verse 6. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful. 
Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. And yet, they are wounds. Yet, they are wounds. Yet, they are wounds. Sometimes, people will, will hurt you because they are trying to correct you. But it hurts. But it hurts. They may not do it maliciously, but it hurts. They may not do it out of a bad heart, but it hurts. Turn with me to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 42. 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 42. This particular text is talking about the work of a man called Huram. I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. Huram. Huram was involved in the building of the temple of Solomon. And it says, and 400, and 400 pomegranates for the two networks, even two rows of pomegranates for one network to cover the two bowls. Let's start from verse 41, please. The two pillars and the two bowls of the chapters that were... Let me read from my version. Yes, give me NIV. Thank you. The two pillars, the two bowl-shaped capitals on the top of the pillars... The two sets of network decorations, the two bowl-shaped capitals on the top of the pillars. So they are describing a certain part of the, of the temple, okay? There are pillars that have been built, and at the top of them, there are bowl-shaped capitals, what they're calling capitals. Then verse 42 says, the 400 pomegranates for the two sets of networks, two rows of Pomegranates for each network, decorating the bowl-shaped capital on the top of the pillar. So Horam has done a work. In total, he has carved 400 pomegranates. Do you know pomegranates? What are they called in? Pomegranates are a fruit, okay? They are a pink pinkish fruit when it's ripe and the inside has tiny purple seeds. I'm sure you have it. But anyway, it's a type of fruit and Horam has sculpted it on bronze. Remember that time they don't have machines. But he has carved out in bronze, which is a metal, 400 of them. And where are they located in the temple? At the very top of the pillar. Why are they at the top of the pillar where nobody looks that high? Does anyone see what's at the top of a pillar? Think about the pillars at the entrance. Now picture the very top. Someone has taken time to carve out 400 of them at the very top. He has done two rows on each pillar. That's what that entire explanation is about. But faithfully he did it. Faithfully, he did it. And he probably made sure that they were accurate. Do you know how I know that? In the next, in the next book, 
when the Babylonians came to carry the Israelites away, the same designed pomegranates are described among the loot that was taken by the Babylonians. So they muttered. There was something choice. The very things that were taken from the temple were taken to the king's palace. This man has carved out something that nobody can appreciate from the eye level. Why? Because his work was not unto men. They were 400 beautiful things speaking unto the Lord. The Bible in this scripture is saying that Horam completed his work in the temple and describes the work that he had done. But apart from just doing the bowls and vessels out of bronze that were at the table, there were the 400 pomegranates that are designed at the top of the pillar. A lot of what you're doing, especially in service, should be done as unto the Lord. The problem comes when we expect our reward from one another. Some kind of appreciation would be nice. A thanks once in a while would be nice. A clapping of hands or acknowledging so-and-so is in the house. Do you see this work that is here? So-and-so did it. Please stand up. We appreciate you. That would be good. But the Bible says that that is your reward. Better is the thing that you have done in secret unto the Lord than the thing that is exposed to everybody else. The challenge tonight is, are we able to allow that the Lord be our only reward? When he says, well done, good and faithful servant, is that enough for you? Oh no, you still want him to say thank you. You still want him to say your food tastes nice. It would be nice. We're still human. And yet it is that humanness that makes us vulnerable to the pain. It is that humanness that makes us available for injury when it comes. Imagine if I gave you love, if I hugged you, if I cared for you without expecting anything from you. If you said thank you, well and good. If you didn't say thank you, the quality of what I give to you should remain the same. The Bible speaks about the Lord Jesus Knowing their hearts, he did not give himself to them in the book of John. What does that mean? Yes, today they cheered for him the triumphant entry. They lay their clothes on the ground that, the son, that Jesus, the king of kings, Hosanna, Hosanna. Do you remember how many do Palm Sunday? If you grew up where that Sunday where everybody walked around with a palm in their hand to acknowledge Palm Sunday. But it wasn't long after Jesus has walked into Jerusalem that he still has to almost do the same journey with a cross. The same crowd that was crying, Hosanna! And, and they're telling him, tell them to be quiet. And he says, if they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. He was feeling it at that point. That was a pain that was expected because the Bible says that when he came, he came unto men and he knew their hearts and he did not give himself unto them. Tonight, I'd like to draw attention to the fact that Psalm, th Psalm, one, Psalm 3, verse 3, sorry, says that thou, O Lord, are a shield around me. 
you bestow glory on me and lift up my head. Some versions say, thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You are my glory and the lifter up of my head. He is the one that lifts up your head. He is the one that should be the fuel for what you do. This is a very hard gospel because many of us are carrying scars. And tonight, I want us to pray for those particular scars. We cried out this, after, this, morning, this, uh, this evening as we worshipped and we said, lift him high. Have you heard what the Lord has done? Today I say to you, can you hear what the Lord is going to do for you today? He's going to set you free from the wounds that have come from your own household. If you will let him in. He's going to set you free from the pain that has come from places where you thought you should be covered. There are times you carry around scars of being injured by a parent, being injured by a brother, being betrayed by a sister, and you carry it around. For a moment, it feels like it's not there. And yet, when you see them, your lifted hands become heavy. This is a, a very serious concern. The Bible says that if you are taking an offering to the table, to the Lord, and you remember that you have a grudge with someone, leave it and go solve that and come back. What is the Lord saying? That that pain is not insignificant. That pain is not irrelevant. It is tied to your worship. It is tied to your service. It is tied to what you do. You can ignore it. You can hide it. But one day you burst out. Those are moments where something small causes an outburst. And you're like, oh my God. We were just talking about a pen. Was it really a pen? It was more than a pen. Why? We have pent up pain. It matters to the Lord. Tell your neighbor, it matters to the Lord. It matters to the Lord that you are injured. It matters to the Lord that you are betrayed. It matters to the Lord that you injured the other person. Sometimes you're the one carrying the guilt, knowing that you let somebody down and you can't fix it. You try, but you make it worse. Every time they see you, they become worse. So you try to stay away, but the world is very small. Has the world ever become small for you? I remember when we just gotten married, we lived in a, a bedsitter, really small bedsitter. That was the tiniest house I'd ever lived in in my life. Respectfully, it was, it was, it was nice. It was cuddly at, the, at first. But with time, every time we had conflict, the house became really small. There were not many rooms to go and lock yourself into. You had to sit there through the silence. How many know what I'm talking about? You ha even a big house can be small. Yeah. You don't, now it happens at like at 10.30 in the night. You can't go outside. Eh? And now you have to have dinner. Have you had a meal and only the forks and spoons are talking? Cutting. Pass me the salt. Or you decide to swallow the food without salt because you don't even want to ask for salt. You're punishing yourself. So there are moments where you either carry the pain of being betrayed or you carry the guilt of, of being the betrayer. It is said that Judas 
torn by what he had done, tried to return the money. But they laughed at him. They scorned him. And the guilt in itself drove him to hang himself. Some of us are doing very self-destructive things because of that pain that we carry. But the Lord would say to you today, it is not too late. The Lord is calling us to a place where your service is based on him. Let us be like Huram. Build those pomegranates facing up, not facing down. Put them at the topest place of the, of the pillar and let them be unto the Lord. How many times do we have ministers serving here and because of a comment made by somebody, you walk away. You walk away, with, you stay away from the ministry. You don't want to be part of the worship team. You don't want to be part of the, of the ushering or whatever ministry it is because of something somebody said. Tell your neighbor, refocus. Refocus. Your ministry means more when it is unto the Lord. Your ministry is more sustainable when it is unto the Lord. Cooking that food for your family is a more sustainable practice when it is unto the Lord. Doing that band or singing or dancing or whatever it is the Lord has put in your heart becomes more meaningful, more sustainable when it is unto the Lord. In fact, it shields you more. Because you have not given yourself to them. Lastly, I would like us to close with Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, which is our theme scripture today as we study true service. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it heartily. Somebody say heartily. NIV says, with all your heart. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your reward. Do it heartily as unto the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your reward. This is very easy to read. It's very easy to pronounce to somebody else until you have to live it. The Bible says that he has given us his spirit to be a comforter. To be a comforter doesn't mean that he only comes in when the pain has come. He comes in at a time when you don't have the energy. When, he say, when you say, it's time to forgive this person. And he's telling you, I, I will help you. I will help you forgive this person. You're like, no, this is not possible. That is him being a comforter to you. That is him being a comforter to you. When you're trying to do something to the best of your ability, but it's not appreciated. Many times we walk away from people because our focus for service was wrong in the first place. I often say that let us sing and dance and shout as much as we can because while these seats might look empty, heaven is watching. Paul says that so let us walk confidently for we are surrounded by a crowd of what? Witnesses. What would Paul do if he saw your worship? You have the advantage of music. You have a keyboard, you have YouTube, and you can praise. But he had to praise in shackles in a dungeon. The kind of praise that shook the foundations. Without a keyboard, without electricity, without keeping the beat. I dare say Silas did not have good harmony. And yet the foundations shook. 
Some of us, if it is not sounding right, stop, stop, stop. Let's start that song again. Hallelujah, worship team. Let's start it again. It's not hitting that spot, isn't it? Hi, Jafika. Where Bobby? Bobby, we like harassing Bobby. And done. Play the right note. Why? We need excellence unto who I ask with love. Do we sing songs because they make us jump? Hey, then we say, Leo worship ilibamba. Why? Because people were excited or because the Lord said, Well done. I remember when I started leading worship some time back, I used to get so hurt. I'd walk down the altar and be so miserable. Why? Because I sang my best, but people were not clapping. People were just looking at me like this. It's real. It's a real trauma. When you see my sister Teresa saying, thank God, I can do this confidently. Those are scars speaking. Those are scars speaking. Sometimes you do something and it's not appreciated. It's not received. But can I ask you to lift your head up and look at the king of kings. He calls us to be children before him. Why? Because children can be really untidy. And yet he appreciates them. It's the purity of their spirit that he focuses on. Today, today we want to reverse. We want to revert to our default settings. What was our default setting? When you fell in love with the Christian faith, you fell in love with the Lord Jesus. Whether your neighbor was looking at you, in one corner, yours would go higher. Regardless of what you are, jacket or what, you put your hand up. Now, suddenly, your neighbor matters. Hey, I was sitting next to beautiful ladies. You don't dance too much. You're Joshua. It might go, it might spoil your chances. And to the Lord, I say to you. It's the little things, isn't it? I'm reminded of the time when Jesus walks into the temple and he finds people are selling and buying. Selling and buying things in the temple. That's what happens when your worship is corrupted. That's what happens when your praise is corrupted. That's what happens when your service is corrupted. You're exchanging. Probably if I sing so well and they clap for me, you're transacting at the altar of the Lord. And he came and overturned the tables. This house shall be a house of prayer, he said. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. You have stolen the stage. You have allowed bitterness to take your worship. You have allowed pain to override your focus on him. Do I say this to bring condemnation to us? No. Tonight I call us to a place of refocusing. To shake off the shackles, especially when it's in our strength to let them down. They do not know what they're doing. He cried on the cross, forgive them. Because the pain at this point was pain from his own household. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Many of us say, Father, shackle them. Burn them for they know what they're doing. Crucify them twice. But he has laid a foundation that shows that, that this path is the kind of path where you should not expect anything from a fellow disciple. It will shield you. 
it will shield you to do your services unto the Lord. And he has given to us the Holy Spirit. In this moment, even as he comes, I'd like to remind you that whatever you do, do it in service to the King. And the Holy Spirit is here to give you strength. To give you strength. To give you direction. To give you motivation. Let your motivation be the Lord. The Bible says study to show yourself approved by God. Not approved by men. If it is men that are keeping you from doing what you're doing. Get up and do it. If the reason that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing has anything to do with a human being. Get up and do it. Amen. Allow me to greet you in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. There's a testimony I want to read for us. I've never done this, but I want to second what the woman of God has been speaking to us. There's a testimony I want to read for us. It changed my life in 2012 when it came to my attention. We were in church, we were fasting and praying and people are having a similar issue like what the servant of God is addressing tonight. And uh, the Lord gave me this testimony to read. Can I read it for us? Okay. Are we ready? South Korean pastor Park Young Gyu did not believe in the existence of heaven and hell. He had been a Presbyterian pastor of a 5,000 member church for 20 years. He also owned, he also owned property worth $150 million, which included five luxurious cars. One day he had a rude awakening when he died and visited heaven and hell. When he came back, he was never the same person again. Just like some of you are not going to be the same people again. On 19th December 1987, when Pastor Park was 50 years old, he began to feel an unbearable excruciating pain just after he had finished his lunch. He felt as though he was going to die and he died from high blood pressure. After he had lost con consciousness, he saw two shining angels enter his room. They informed him that he was already dead and God wanted him to show him hell and heaven. The angels to his right introduced himself as the angel who had ran errands for Jesus in his kingdom. The other angel who was standing to his left introduced himself as his guardian angel who had been with him from his birth until the moment he had died. Pastor Park told the angels that he was not ready to meet the Lord. He thought that Jesus was going to rebuke him for the way he had lived his life as a prideful and arrogant man. He was very scared and begged the angels to go back and ask the Lord to heal him first. The angels ignored him and they took off his filthy clothes and clothed him in a white robe. They grabbed Pastor Park's hands and they flew at a great speed through space. The earth became smaller until it disappeared from sight. 
As they flew heavenwards, Pastor Park saw some people in white robes also flying heavenwards. Pastor Park and the angels arrived in heaven and stood outside a closed gate. Pastor Park asked the angels why the gate was not opening for them. He was informed that it was because he was not singing the heavenly worship songs. He told them that he could not be able to sing heavenly worship songs since he had never heard them before. The angels began to sing, and as they sang, Pastor Park began to sing with them. The gate opened itself, and they entered into heaven. Pastor Park could not describe heaven with earthly words as it is indescribable. Although he did not see the Lord, he heard the Lord say, My beloved Pastor Park Young you, I welcome you. You have made a long journey here. The Lord's voice was overwhelming, was overflowing with love and tenderness. The Lord then asked him five questions, which were the following. Number one, how much time did you spend reading the Bible? Number two, how much did you give as offerings? Number three, how many times did you evangelize to people? Number four, did you tithe properly? Five, how much time did you spend in prayer? Pastor Park could not answer the fifth question. The Lord rebuked him and told him that after he had become the pastor of a mega church, he had become very lazy and he had hardly prayed at all. Being very busy, the Lord told him, was no excuse. The Lord told him that the angels would take him on a tour of heaven and hell. So the next subtopic, a tour of heaven. The angels first took Pastor Park to visit little children who are living together in a community. Each child had a guardian angel. The children did not have their own individual homes, and Pastor Park wanted to know why. One of the angels replied that just as people on earth needed materials to build their homes, the angels also needed materials to build people their heavenly homes. The angel went on to explain that since the children had died when they were below age of accountability, they had no time to accumulate good deeds that would have translated into building materials for their heavenly homes. That was why they did not have homes in heaven. Pastor Park wanted to know what one required to do in order to provide enough materials for their heavenly homes. He was told that one needed to do seven things, which were the following. Number one, time spent praising and worshiping God. Number two, time spent praying. Number three, time spent reading the Bible. Number four, time spent evangelizing to people. Number five, one's offerings to the Lord. Number six, one tithes to the Lord. Number seven, time spent serving the church. Pastor Park, out of curiosity, wanted to know where the children lived since they did not have homes of their own. He was informed that they lived right where they were, they, they were in the Garden of Flowers. The garden was so beautiful and the fragrance at the scene was, were beyond what Pastor Park could describe with human words. Homes of the faithful. Next, Pastor Park visited the place where the faithful adults who had served the Lord with all of their hearts lived. He was, 
He saw very many homes built with beautiful gems and rare stones. The place looked like downtown heaven. Some of the homes were as high as the high skyscrapers on earth. The people who lived there looked young, and one could not discern their gender as there is no gender in heaven. No one was sick or deformed in any way. Pastor Park recognized a man he had known who had died at the age of 65 years. He had been a very short man who had suffered from rickets. He had written many Bible commentaries. In heaven, he was no longer short or sick. He was tall, handsome, and healthy. The saints lived in very nice homes. The four people who had the biggest and most beautiful homes in heaven were Dwight Moody. Dwight Moody was an evangelist. Dwight Moody, John Wesley. John Wesley was also an evangelist, an Italian evangelist, and a Korean pastor called Choi Gunnang. The angels told Pastor Park that the four had spent their whole lives evangelizing and had borne much fruit for the Lord. There was also a Korean lay believer who had a very large home. He had built many churches, fed the poor and hungry, financially helped pastors and church leaders, and paid tuition for students studying for the ministry. He had also taken in a 65-year-old pastor into his home and taken good care of him. In spite of all this, his own church had kicked him out. At that particular moment, the angel showed Pastor Park some building materials that were arriving in heaven. They belonged to a poor deaconess from a small church in South Korea. The angels told him that the deaconess went to the early morning service each day, prayed for 87 church members daily, and when she finished praying, she cleaned up the church. That day, her daughter had given her a little money for, but instead of spending it on herself, she had bought five eggs and two pairs of socks for our pastor. Pastor Park also met a Korean church elder called Choi, who among all the Korean elders and deacons had the most beautiful home in heaven. His home was much higher than the tallest building in Korea. Choi had built many churches in Korea with his own money. Homes of the unfaithful. That is the next subtopic. Homes of the unfaithful. The next place there that uh, Pastor Park visited was for the saved people who had nothing to show for their salvation. Pastor Park and the angels arrived there riding a very fast golden chariot. The place was very far away from the beautiful places in heaven. There were no beautiful homes there. The people lived in a village of enormous size, which was several times bigger than the place for the, for the faithful souls. The homes were for the souls who had nothing to show for their salvation. They lived in very shabby, huge, white, wide, flat houses. The shape of the houses reminded Pastor Park of a large chicken coops or some type of warehouses. The angels took Pastor Park to see two large homes occupied by pastors and other church leaders who had not been faithful to the Lord. 
He noticed that the two homes were humongous. He saw thousands of pastors, church elders, deacons, and other church leaders living there. Their clothes were also shabby. His impression was that the place resembled a chicken lugu. Pastor Park recognized many famous pastors from the past. One was a famous Korean pastor who had done a lot of work for the Lord. Pastor Park could not understand why that pastor was there instead of being in another beautiful place. One of the angels informed him that the pastor had not provided any building material for his home in heaven. He had loved to be honored served and complimented by people. There had been no sacrifice and service on his part. That was why he was living in a community home. His heavenly home is the next subtopic. Out of curiosity, Pastor Park wanted to see his own house in heaven. Do you also want to see his house? The angels told him it was still in the process of being built. They entered the chariot and traveled very far away to another place in heaven. The place looked like as though it was still in the process of development. Pastor Park could not understand why his house had not been finished in spite of all he had done for the Lord. He said... He, he had sold his only home to build his church, which had grown to 5,000 members. He had written many books inspired by the Holy Spirit. Over one book had been, become a bestseller with the proceeds from the sale of his books. He had built Christian schools and one school had produced 240 pastors. He had also given over 400 scholarships to poor, poor children. He had also built homes for the widows. He could not, therefore, not understand why his home was unfinished. The angel informed him that he had not sent enough materials to complete his home because, now listen, because everything he had done was meant to get honor, praises, and approval of people. He was even honored by the secular news media for his good works. That was why all his good works were in vain because instead of glorifying God, they had glorified him as a person. When Pastor Park entered his unfinished house, he saw two certificates hanging on the wall of one of the rooms. The first described what he had done when he was 18 years old. One day, he had seen an elderly man shivering with cold, and he had taken off his jacket and given it to the man. The deed had entered, had earned him a reward in heaven. The second certificate was for buying some bread for the same man with the little money he had. The next one is visit 12. Next, the two angels escorted Pastor Park to hell where the souls of the cast and damned were. He was surprised by the enormity of hell as, as it appeared to be a thousand times larger than the earth. Half of hell was red and the other half was pitch black. The angels informed him that the red part was filled with burning sulfur while the black part was in total, 
while the black one was in total darkness. People are tormented in both parts of hell. Pastor Park wanted to know how many souls were in hell. In reply, the angels told him that for every soul that went to heaven, about 1,000 went to hell, a ratio of one to 1,000. The angels first took Pastor Park on a tour to the red part of hell. He had no words to describe the place. It, almost, it is almost impossible for one to imagine how hot and unbearable hell is. The people repeatedly shouted that it was too hot. They were very thirsty and they wanted water. And the story continues. Why am I reading you this story? For one reason. One of the reasons which hurts a lot of us as we serve God, as we serve family, as we serve community, is the lack of appreciation. The lack of tenderness, the lack of kisses and hugs, appreciations. And yet, these very appreciations is what deprives us of our rewards. When you look at the initial sermons Jesus preached, one of them was, do not show your deeds to men. Whatever you do, do it quietly and secretly because if you earn it on earth, you cannot earn it in heaven. Was Jesus crazy when he ran away when people wanted to honor him and make him king? Do you think he was mad? Imagine you want to make me the chief apostle of Nairobi South Diocese or whatever and in the day of my consecration I ran away. Every chance men had to honor Jesus he used it to run away because his reward was not of this earth. His reward was in heaven. No wonder if God truly loves you, and this will be so controversial for some of you, if God truly loves you, the more you serve him, the more you will be persecuted. The Bible says those who aspire to live a godly life must suffer persecution. Why? God will be trying to preserve your reward for you. God will be separating you from the earth so that your mind can remain in heaven. I hope as I was reading that story, some of you are seeing how many times everybody knew about your 20,000 or your 10,000. I hope some of you, I see three people you have written protest letters that imagine what I did to you and you do not appreciate. How stupid. I hope some of you, you are going to reverse those SMSs you have written demanding to be respected and honored <laughs> for being the hero who has saved the day. Because the more they respect you, the more they honor you, the more they bow to you, the more they are denying you materials to build your home in heaven. It is possible to educate a child and the child will never know who you are. It is possible to feed your neighbor and your neighbor does not know it is you feeding. Did Jesus not say, let your left hand not know what your right hand is doing? Because if the left hand will know, it will report, and the report will kill the reward. Do you know there are pastors, Pastor Irene, who have resigned because their birthday was not celebrated well? 
This church cannot celebrate my birthday. Where is my honor? One time I was appeared to a man of God who walked into their auditorium. He said, where is the honor of the man of God? Ah! Then he threw down the microphone. I said, poor boy. <laughs> and the man could not understand. Why don't people honor me? Why don't they stand on their feet when I walk in? And he didn't know God is sparing him poverty in heaven, poverty in eternity. We are going back to serve. But we are serving with our eyes on the prize. And the more they don't see us, the better for us. The more they don't appreciate us, the better for us. This looks like a wild theology, but it is in the Bible. And a man has to die to show us the reality of it in heaven. Has Paul been paid his patents for writing three quarters of the New Testament? Has he been paid? Have we traced one of his descendants and said, we honor you. Your ancestor wrote us the Bible. No. But if the man was to be paid on earthly terms with the dollars, he will be a billionaire. Has Moses been paid for writing the first five books of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Has he been paid? True greatness does not sit on this earth. It sits in heaven. True honor does not sit on this earth. It sits in heaven. However, now let's balance here. However, if you meet Amtukufu, the great one, who wants to be honored, the Bible says give honor to who honor is. Give them, or else they will not sleep at night. Give them. So that they sleep at night, but when they go to heaven, they can't sleep because their roof is missing. <laughs> they go to heaven and there is no roof. This is the second version of the story. The real version which Pastor Park narrates, he enters into his house. It is made of wood, and the roof is not even complete. And back in Korea, 5,000 members, the president himself came to his church to reward him for the good job of feeding the poor and helping the orphans. His photo was all over the media because look at the great man and what he's doing. If he was Jesus, he would have run away. Every time Herod is saying, Jesus, where are you? Jesus say, uh-uh, I'm not coming to meet you. Every time they are demanding for Jesus to prove himself, he pretended he could not prove himself. Why? John chapter 5. You receive honor from one another, but I do not receive honor from men. I receive the honor of the Father. There is an honor from the Father that men cannot even know or even understand. It is an honor that is hidden. You will never know. You know, Rick Jonah goes to heaven and Jesus tells him about Paul. That when Paul was dying, he felt like a loser. He felt like he had done nothing with his life. Why? Because he's looking on the earth. The churches he has planted, some of them are backsliding. People are leaving the church. Some of them are falling into error. And he's like, God, what did I do as an apostle? Jesus, what did I labor for? And he enters heaven empty only to be crowned full. The more empty you are, the more full you become. And I pity those who are itching to 
have the mic and be in front and, you know, be the talk of town. I pity them. I pity those who do not know that the true greatness is hidden. It is not known. I was watching a movie one time and the man was saying, this candidate who is running against me thinks that presidency is lived before cameras. The 90% of presidency is behind doors. When a man is not seeing another man, but the man is alone, sweating through decisions. It is childish to think that you will only serve when men are watching you and appreciating you. It is foolish to think so. There's a church I know. I used to be a leader there. Every end of the year, they could have an award ceremony for those who had swept the toilets and those who had cleaned the cars for the members in the compound. Those diligent men. And boy, oh boy, some people waited with bated breath. Who will take the certificate and the 5,000 shillings cash? And there are people who left the church because they never got that certificate. To the world, these people getting the certificate are winners. But to heaven, they are losers. True greatness is hidden. It is not revealed. It is hidden. There are women who pray in this church for pastor, for mama, for us. And we do not know them. We will never know what hours they spend on their knees. Those, I repeat, have the true hidden greatness. There are men in this house who secretly will monitor any loophole and block it and not mention it to anyone. They have a certificate in heaven. Not on this earth. In heaven. I beg you, my dear brothers and sisters, whoever wants to reward you for, for job well done, run away. Jesus ran away. Several times, not once, several times, they wanted to make him king immediately. The Bible says, and finding a route, he escaped and he left that town. Why? They were going to deprive him of his title in heaven called King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Oh, you know, I was serving and so and so could not understand me. He did not support me. He did not appreciate me. Grow up. Greatness will not be achieved by complimentary services from men. Greatness will be achieved. Did you read, did you hear what I read here? Sacrifice. Those who had sacrificed, those are the ones who get a mark in heaven. Do not go for it when it is too easy. Go for it when it will cost you. When it costs you your breath, when it costs you your sleep, when it costs you your money, go for that. Do you know, it has reached a point, there are preachers, they cannot preach to, for you in your church if you don't give them $10,000. You send it to the account before they come. And then the introduction must be in a format that they have designed. This man of God, he has written, somebody clap for this vessel. Oh, oh, oh. Till the boy feels like a, a, a swollen toad. <laughs> then he comes and manifests. Then there's a way you must take his photos. I've seen these things. 
poor boys. They are going to be slum dwellers in heaven. I tell you the truth. Who like me feels like repenting for being stupid? Oh, maybe I'm alone. Let me remove my sugar. It is time to repent. Who like me feels like, hey Jesus, I've been so stupid. Living, displaying myself before my husband or my wife or my, <laughs> or my pastor. And waiting to be told, ah, we appreciate what you do. <laughs> Every time they appreciate you, they are returning you to the slums. They are removing you from the top seats in heaven. The funny thing with heaven, my sister, my brother, you are going to spend eternal years there. And there is no room for revision. Once you are in, you are in. Today you can live in Dagoretti. Tomorrow you are in Kawangware. After a while you are maybe in Kileleshu or Lovington. You can keep increasing or decreasing. But in heaven, once you are in, you are in. And that is why do not let anybody, the Bible says in Hebrews, do not let anybody rob you of your inheritance. How do you let them rob you when they kiss you like Judas and they smooth you up and they fatten you and they appreciate you? When they do that to you, my God, you have lost it. And a friend of mine, she could send you an Mpesa, then copy it to your best friend. I sent. Lest it be said, I did not send. Oh, sister. Paul dies saying, this is the sure fact. Christ died for sinners of whom I am chief. I am chief because I feel like I have failed him. The more you feel like you have failed the Lord, that is the time. The more you feel like it is just you and the Lord who knows what is going on, that is the time you are achieving greatness. Lord, we pray right now for true greatness. We pray right now for true greatness. Greatness lived before you are thrown alone. Greatness lived away from the public, away from the accolades. Lord, we pray for that greatness. Lord, forgive us for reporting our deeds to men. Forgive us for reporting our contributions to men. Forgive us for reporting our, our service to men. Forgive us for living before men, living before kings, living before queens, living before princes, living before the leaders. Lord, forgive us. It is time, my Father, to go back to the place of honor of God. It is time to go back to that place where only God honors us. Only God understands us. Only God knows our record. Oh, Mashiach, Rabbi Konde. Somebody begin to pray. Just talk to him in your own words. Lord, it is time to go back to that place where your appreciation is enough. Where your honor is enough. Where your touch is enough. Where your strength, Lord, is enough. It is time to go back to that place where we are no longer living for the skies or living for the sun or living for the moon or living for the rivers or living for the men or women but only living for you Jesus and Moses dies stripped of his power yet he entered into glory and Elijah died having been chased around by a king because if they felt he was a loser yet he lived in he entered heaven greater and Paul enters heaven feeling like the greatest sinner yet he entered the greatest hero because he had lived only for you. As men beat him and spit on him and rejected him, he looked like he will not be anything. Yet, in history and in heaven, is the greatest. Lord, we pray right now. Give us a mindset of greatness 
a greatness fashioned after Christ. A greatness fashioned after Christ. Paul says now in Philippians chapter 3, Lord, that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own after the law, but being found, lost in him. Lord, we pray we will be lost in you. Our motives will be lost in you. The sacrifice we make for the ministry will be lost in you. The sacrifices we make for the church will be lost in you. The honor we give unto you will be lost in you. Jesus, the places we go will be lost only in you. Forgive us, Lord, for living for the honor of men, waiting for them to salute us, waiting for them to bless us, waiting for them to appreciate us. Lord, forgive us that today we may truly enter into the annals of eternal greatness, a greatness that does not get quantified by human arms, oh Lord. This is our prayer tonight. That as we enter heaven on that day, we may enter empty of earth but full of eternity. Empty of rewards of earth but full of the rewards of eternity. Send us back to reading our Bibles privately. Praying privately. Send us back to the place of giving to the poor privately. Hiding what the left hand cannot see the right hand do. Expecting no reward from men, lest they rob us. Rewarding men, yes, because we love them, but not expecting anything in return from them. Purify us, Lord. Purify us. Let's be on our feet. It is a shame. And a pity. What we call service today, it is a shame. It is a pity. A man of God was calling some young people to go and help him in preaching in the crusade. And they asked him, how much are we getting paid for? The man of God broke down. He could not believe what he was hearing. Suppose we are to sweep this whole church and then 20 minutes later the children make it dirty. How will you feel? If you feel any pain, it means you are doing it for you, not for the Lord. Listen to me. God is so powerful to stop any persecution from reaching you. But why does he allow it? He allows it to purify you of this world. Paul says the glory of this world, which fades away, is purifying you from that. Some of you, I'm seeing a vision right now. One of you, you are knocking your head on the wall. It's like no, no one is understanding how much needs to be done and how much you are doing. And you're like, oh, why don't they understand? They don't understand because if they did, it will cheer you up and fatten you and make you comfortable. And therefore, you will not trust the rewards of the Lord. I better be misunderstood. I better be rejected. I better be, I better be despised as I serve in the ministry. Why? It is unto the Lord. Did you rem do you remember one time uh, I was saying over here, Elijah appears before Ahab and he says, as the Lord lives before whom I stand. Meaning you king, you are standing there, but I'm not standing before you. No, 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 no. 
run after me, honor me, or disrespect me, but you do not exist in my world. You are meeting the king, you are meeting the president, but you are not really meeting him. There is a man you stand before, there is a man you are accountable to. Lord Jesus, we pray tonight in the name of Jesus. Bring us to the place, bring us to the place of greatness with you. The place of glory with you. The place of consciousness with you. The place of being caught up in you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Remove us from fearing kings and queens. From being concerned about dignitaries. Remove us from their Lord. And cause us to be caught up in the zeal of your house and of your heartbeat. Till though the earth is struck with the famine, yet we will not fear. Till though the old horses of the kings will not have water, we will not fear. Because we are not living for the earthly kings, we are living for the king of kings. Vaccinate us so that we are immune from tonight. From any human affection or any human feedback. So that we exclusively draw our strength from your throne. You say, Lord Jesus, blessed are you when men say evil things against you on my account. Oh, how blessed is it. How blessed is it when they persecute us because they cannot understand why we love you this much. How blessed is it because they are sanctifying us. They are removing us from the earthly realm and making us focus on the heavenly realm. In your own words, I want you to take time and just tell the Lord, Lord, Remove my heart from this and this expectation. Remove my eyes from this and this expectation. Somebody just take time. You know what you are talking about to the Lord. Lord, remove my eyes. Remove my heart, Lord. Remove my eyes from expecting this reward from this fellow. Remove my heart from expecting affection from this fellow. Remove my heart from expecting rewards from this fellow. Remove it. Remove it, Lord. Remove it. I better be forgotten of men, but remembered of the Lord. I better be rejected of men, but accepted of God. I better be mis misunderstood of men, but understood by God. I better be accounted even a loser before men, but accounted a winner before God. Jesus, purify my heart. Purify my heart, Lord. Purify my mind. Purify even my spirit, that I may be caught up in the greatness that will last of you. In the mighty name of Jesus. There's a man, we just read about him right now. Him and his brother. They wrote many beautiful songs. Some of which we sing every Sunday. John Wesley and Charles Wesley. Beautiful songs. They preach many powerful sermons. By the time Wesley is dying, he did not even have a hundred pounds in his pocket. He was poor. Yet he's the founder of the Methodist church. Let me speak to you, some, some of you young people. I beg you. I beg you. Go get rich, but die poor. Have as much resources, as much patents as you can. Write as many songs as you can write. Invent as many innovations as you can. But all the wealth of it, let it never enter your hands. Let it go into the service of the Lord. Be rich, but die poor. 
D.L. Moody, whose Bible school is the top Bible school in the world, was semi-literate. The man preached. One time he preached till he, he, he fainted. He had no more strength to preach. And he was just preaching even to one person who cared to listen. Moody could preach to anyone provided he was not saved. And his English was broken. His clothes were always tattered. The man was a joke. But before he died, all the money he got from his ministry, he consecrated it to the ministry. And today, the greatest Bible school on earth, you do not enter there if your grades are not Harvard level grades. D.L. Moody Bible School in Chicago. They died poor, but in heaven they are rich. Why are people bitter? Paul, uh, James says, why is there fightings and envies and jealousy among you? It is because there is something temporal we are fighting for. Eternal-minded people have no time for fightings and bitterness and jealousy. All they have is a bigger picture, bigger than them. Let's go back to service. But let it be a hidden service. Don't pay for somebody's school fees and it be known. You'll have lost. Don't take somebody to hospital. Then you take a photograph. <laughs> After escorting him to hospital, it is good to say, help the poor. Whatever you do, do it hidden. Do it secret. And the God, Jesus said, the God who sees in secret will reward you in open. But even the reward, let it not be your motive. Let God, who is love, be your motive. Whether he rewards you or not, let it not matter to you. As Moses is writing the first five books, he was expecting nothing. As Paul is writing the three quarters of the Bible, he was expecting nothing. Those are the people we are going to meet in heaven, my dear brothers and sisters. Let us meet them with confidence, knowing we walked the journey they walked. So, Father, we sanctify your people. We remove every unnecessary pain. We remove every unnecessary bitterness. We remove every unnecessary squabbles. We remove every unnecessary wear and tear. We send them back to the secret place where great ones are made. We send them back to the secret place where the great ones are kept. We send them back. The Bible says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. We shall abide because we are in the secret place. We are not in the open place. We are in the secret place where only God dwells. We are not in the open place where men are. And no matter what they have said about us, we decree from tonight, it doesn't matter. Whatever they have given us or not given us, we decree from tonight, it doesn't matter. Whatever they have contributed or not contributed, we decree from tonight, it doesn't matter. Whatever affection they have shown or not shown, we decree from tonight, it doesn't matter. We are men and women who shall live with our heart on the Lord and on the Lord alone. Bless us, Lord, and dismiss us with your love. In Jesus' name. Are we ready to go and be great in the secret place?